Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 334. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist's Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new monthly Slow Flowers Journal, which you can find in the pages of Florist's Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can find today's show notes, episode 334. Today, I'm excited to visit with two Slow Flowers members who have just opened new floral retail businesses. This pivot to retail floristry that I've been documenting over the past 12 months continues, and I think you'll find today's conversations entirely fascinating and enlightening. One year ago, when I released the 2017 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast, I declared the retail embrace a phenomenon of studio florists moving toward brick-and-mortar channels. Now, for 2018, I've added flower farmers jumping into the retail arena. As I reported last year, if you rely only on mainstream financial analysis or census data for your intel, well, the landscape for brick-and-mortar flower shops has appeared unpromising. According to the November 2016 Dun & Bradstreet Industry Report, the U.S. has about 14,000 floral establishments, which means single-location companies and units of multi-location companies, with combined annual revenue of about five. Flower shops had declined by about 40% since 2000. Dun & Bradstreet cited a Society of American Florists prediction that the number of retail florists in the U.S. was expected to continue dropping, although the pace was slowing gradually. Yet, we're tracking Slow Flowers members who are opening brick-and-mortar flower shops across North America. Today's guests will add their personal journeys to the compendium of stories about independent and progressive florists and flower farmers who are signing leases and opening retail spaces in the same markets that have witnessed mainstream mom-and-pop floral storefronts being shuttered. First, you'll hear from Lisa Wad of Pot and Box, who has just opened a new retail space in a historic building in downtown Detroit. Then you'll hear from Melissa Brown of Flying Bear Farm on Whidbey Island, north of Seattle, who just opened a retail shop in nearby Langley, Washington, with her partner and husband, Benjamin Courteau. Be ready to take notes and get inspired. Retail isn't for everyone, of course. But if you're looking for inspiration, insights, and straight talk about making retail work for you and your business, I think you'll find it here. Pot and Box founder Lisa Wad has been enthusiastically steering the company's horticultural goings-on since its foundings more than 10 years ago. She's been arranging flowers in the soil and in the vase for 21 years now, from the volcanic slopes of Hawaii, the clay garden beds of the Pacific Northwest, and across the Great Lakes state of Michigan. In Lisa's words, quote, I love to work with flowers blooming now and nearby. 
Celebrating the richest hues, most fragrant blooms, the abundance of seasonality, I thrive on the uncommon and unexpected. Applauding a determined weed growing out of a brick wall, the unusual variegation pattern on a peony's petal, a tattooed bride's arm cradling a delicate bouquet. I excel when tasked with realizing the visions of my clients, arranging stems to suit the celebration, bringing event decor ideas to life, striving for the breathtaking gasp of elation. Lisa lives in Detroit, and when she's not playing with flowers, you can find her scheming up field trips with her dogs or planning explorations in other inspirational cities. As listeners may recall from past episodes of this podcast, Lisa is also the creator of Flower House, a floral art installation that opened in 2015, and the producer of the 2016 Detroit Flower Week. My conversation with Melissa Brown, also a past guest of this podcast, will follow Lisa's segment. Melissa and her husband, Ben, are farmer florists who often draw on the talents of Melissa's parents, Molly and David Brown. After several very successful seasons growing flowers and designing for wedding clients, the time came this past fall for Melissa and Ben to enter retail. Flower farmers listening will want to hear what led to this decision and how Melissa hopes to strike a good balance between growing, designing, and selling Flying Bear Farms flowers. Visit DebraPrinzing.com for today's episode 334 to find the show notes, see photos that Lisa and Melissa have shared, and to find links to their past interviews and all their social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am delighted to introduce and reintroduce my friend Lisa Wad. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for having me again. That's right. You're like back for a second or third uh, appearance, maybe third. <laughs> um, Lisa, as some of you may know, is based in Detroit. She's the creative director and founder of Pot and Box, which just recently celebrated its 10th anniversary, right? Yes, yes, yes. I can't believe it. That's amazing. When we first met uh, virtually, you did have um, a little bit of retail going on in your Ann Arbor location, but then you've been out of retail for a while. But our our topic today is to talk about um, your return and and why after doing basically wedding and event design um, and all kinds of other things like Flower House Detroit, Detroit Flower Week, and uh, many other crazy endeavors, you've decided to um, put your put your business back into retail. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Um, firstly, I'll say it's um, a really disappointing answer when people want me to tell them that I'm doing something else crazy and <laughs> big. And they're like, so what's for 2018? And I say, get this. I'm opening a retail store and it's going to take three times as much energy and it's not as exciting, but (laughs) (laughs) where's the epic storyline in that, right? (laughs) Right, right. It's, um, it's, uh, very normal and I'm enjoying it a lot, but, (laughs) um, yeah. So when I, um, first founded Pot and Box, I was in Ann Arbor, which is, um, 45 minutes, an hour, um, west of Detroit. And, um, we had a, it was, it was, retail light, I called it. Mm-hmm. It was off the beaten path, but um, certainly a studio space that people, the neighbors could wander into and, and um, shop for plants and flowers. And we loved it. Um, and then um, with rent um, going up, we worked just out of a studio space that was not retail at all. And then I moved over 
to Detroit. My longtime manager, Catherine, ran the Ann Arbor studio, and I um, opened our second studio here. And um, then slowly um, we shifted it back into one in Detroit when Catherine moved out of state. Um, and so, and I've just been kind of hopping around, um, you know, figuring out where our forever home would be here in the city. Um, you know, working out Mm. of the first floor of my home, an Airstream trailer, an old warehouse, you know, what I've done it all. So I'm really, really excited. Um, we are in a gorgeous historical building in the city. It's called the Fisher building. Um, a simple Google search will get you some, um, breathtaking little hits there of some images, but yeah. um, we're, we'll, we're we'll, so thankful. We'll grab some photos uh, for mm-hmm. the show notes um, at DebraPrinzing.com. But um, I, you sounds like the way you described it, uh, a little bit of a nomadic uh, studio <laughs> life. <laughs> um, yes. There was that uh, property in Hamtramck with two houses that became Flower House Detroit and, um, you know, in there somewhere that kind of uh, occupied a lot of your time. But <laughs> you're pretty much, you've, you've been based in a workspace that was not open to the public that clients didn't even really come to. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what I know that everybody's been asking you what next, because in 2015 um, we had this amazing experience of, of flower house. And then in 2016, another amazing experience of Detroit flower week, which both of which I was privileged to be part of. And then, um, yeah, you kind of raised everyone's expectations. Like Lisa's gonna, I don't know, put flowers around the, around the head of the statue of Liberty and, you know, from a helicopter. (laughs) Um, but you probably had a lot of business strategy and planning and rebranding and all of those thoughts processes that you had to go through in the last 18 months. Right. Absolutely. Um, I do feel fortunate, um, to have been a part of flower house and, and flower week. Uh, I think it really, I mean, it, it was fun and educational and we really, um, you know, galvanized the floral design community, um, and American grown flower community and, and everybody came together to, to put these things on. And I feel, um, just so thankful that I, I was a part of it, but it also, um, you know, it absolutely helped my, my business. Um, it helped me to be able, you know, if I'm trying to land a big event, work with a client that, you know, was on, was on my hit list, um, to be able to point to those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was a lot of, um, you know, thinking of how to meld the, you know, projects into, into the pot and box branch. Absolutely. Mm. And Lisa, didn't you spend, um, a portion of the last year in like a quasi MBA program, some kind of business planning, like boot camp or something that, and I'm just curious if that factored into this, this, uh, new, new chapter for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a, a free program, um, that is the Goldman Sachs, um, 10, it's called 10,000 small businesses and it's still going on. Um, if anyone is at all interested in, um, becoming a more whole business owner, you know, a lot of us in, you know, design, we're creative and we're really, um, you know, blessed to have those creative skills, but maybe lack some of the bookkeeping and HR and all those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, like you said, it was, um, it was very much a boot camp. It, they say it's a mini MBA and it was in three months time. And you know, I really had to, I, I did it at this time last year. So wow. it was, you know, 
over the winter when, you know, we actually have a second to breathe. So, um, absolutely. So I've been kind of, um, recovering from these big, crazy projects and, um, kind of gathering new information and, and trying to become a more whole business owner. Mm, that's cool. So when did the seed of the idea of, because you have had these, let me back up. You've had oh. these sort of pop-up retail kind of concepts like the, the truck. And um, I, I don't know whether that's all still going on, but did you, did you feel like you understood your your opportunity for retail in a new way after sort of these shorter term or seasonal kinds of pop-ups? Um, maybe put, describe it better because I'm not put, portraying it correctly, probably. Certainly. So, um, you know, when those of us that live in Detroit, we like to think that we're oh so special, but <laughs> I, this, um, this absolutely will speak to other folks in other cities. Um, you know, I, um, have been here six years now and so I wanted to get to know the city. Um, and you know, we did that with the flower truck. Um, you know, it had, um, seven different shifts throughout the week, you know, lunchtime, afternoon, um, Saturday shifts and going around and, you know, getting a feel for where, where we could be in a permanent location. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, also in Detroit, there are, um, just like the program that I took that I said, um, was free, which is amazing. Um, there are a lot of opportunities, um, here for free programs for grants and that kind of thing. And I've been very fortunate to, um, to have won those or had my foot in the door with that kind of stuff. So, We've def- I've definitely been, you know, looking around, working in different parts of the city, getting a feel for if, you know, if the city, if the city would support my business. So, um, the Fisher building was one of the stops, um, for the flower truck and it was our best shift. Mm. And so, um, not, it wasn't just a pretty building. <laughs> um, we, we had a chance to be there, you know, outside on wheels, but, but certainly test out the market there. Was this like last summer or, or mm-hmm. how did that go? Yeah, it was great. Um, and we had a lot of support from uh, the building um, was recently purchased uh, about two years ago by a new development company. And they're very thoughtful and very community minded. And so they started to do a Friday. It, was, it certainly wasn't a farmer's market, but, um, you know, there were maybe four vendors, a food truck, uh, us in the flower truck. Um, some folks selling produce from Eastern market and, you know, one other kind of Mm -hmm. retail person. So, um, you know, them, you know, asking us to come to that saying, Hey, um, you know, we've got a spot inside the building that we'd like you to look at. Of course it being me, it was, um, a secure, a former security and parking office. It was this quirky little (laughs) place that they were like, can't you picture it? And I was like, I can, I can picture it. Wait, What's the square footage? (laughs) Um, it's just over 900 square feet. Okay. That's decent. It's not like it's 50 or something. Mm -hmm. Oh no, it's great. And, you know, being a, you know, florist, we have things coming in all the time and going out of the time. So we have, um, direct, a direct door to the parking garage, which is great. You know, we love to have our flat rolling carts all around in there and no steps. (laughs) Oh my God. That's major. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Selling point. Mm -hmm. Um, so this all happened over the last, while the building was re- being redeveloped or, uh, look what I, I get the sense that this is this beautiful architectural gem has been, uh, preserved by the new owners. Is that kind of the way to describe it? Yes, there was, um, some, um, work that needed to be done and they hopped right on that and went to 
um, tasked themselves with filling up the first floor retail space and, um, they're doing a really good job. I have great neighbors. And, um, so, you know, like I said, um, one of the reasons why I moved in, why I felt more comfortable moving into retail after not being in a permanent retail location was the, those partnerships, the Mm -hmm. landlord, my neighbors, the neighborhood. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right. So the, the market kind of proved itself because you almost did informal market research through your flower truck and just getting to know who, like who works in that building and who walks down that street, who would be a regular customer, right? Yep. Um, we have, uh, a little clicker like, um, bouncers use in clubs and bars where Mm. we count how many people walk by and yep. I spent a lot of time sitting, um, in, on a bench outside of what I was considering as our retail space, which we would eventually move into, just clicking away, seeing how many people walk by at lunch. And, you know, there's a theater in the building. And so seeing what it, what it felt like when, um, when the theater patrons came in, do you think anyone would come in over this way and shop and that kind of thing? So wow. <laughs> slowly gathering information. Yep. Wow. I mean, I know those things sound like pretty uh, basic, but I don't think you can overstate how much that primary research is to before you make a major decision like signing signing a lease. Right. And especially um, in a a spot that's being um, reactivated. Mm. I don't think there's that um, that kind of data accessible quite yet. You know, Mm. maybe in cities that are more populated and it's like a retail space has become available and they're like, we know how much foot traffic is here and this store next door has this many visitors or whatever. So, um, yeah, we just kind of had to, um, do a little research before I signed mm-hmm. that lease. <laughs> so you, when did you actually open Lisa? We opened a couple weeks before, uh, before the winter holidays, before mm-hmm. Christmas. And mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in a way that might be a great time to open because you're not inundated with, with weddings and events like you would be, say, opening in May or June. I mean, has it been kind of, has that helped you get a soft launch? Or knowing you, there's probably no soft about it. You probably had a lot of fanfare. <laughs> um, we had a, a really great turnout for our opening party. Um, I do want to thank um, our friends at uh, a restaurant called Chartreuse. They, I gave them a, um, what, 18-inch wide three feet tall, um, cylindrical vase for them to fill with a floral punch. And (laughs) I will say everyone had a great time and they're still talking about the punch. So (laughs) what that recipe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I think, um, you know, it's, it's so valuable and I'm so thankful that, um, you know, the other projects I've done, the, the people who are local and aware of that we, we can reach, um, a pretty good number of people. And so, we were definitely busy, um, for the holidays, um, surprisingly so. And I was just kind of braced for, um, not really seeing anyone until March. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, um, I have again, been really surprised how busy we are, um, during our retail hours. So mm-hmm. I am just so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at your website right now, which is beautiful and, uh, has, all the details about the store. You're open Tuesday to Friday from 12 to 6 and Saturday 10 to 4. So mm-hmm. it sounds like you do have to, you can't be physically there by yourself all the time. You probably have had to add a little bit of staffing, right? Or how are you doing that? Yep. Um, I have my, um, my staff is wonderful and, um, you know, we, 
um, have moved Maxine into our full-time plant buyer position because that's really turned into something that needs uh, full-time attention. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah. And so, and now we have a retail um, flower sales. So, um, you know, it, to answer your question, I, um, I would love if we were um, really busy through the winter, like we are in the summer, but, um, we, we just aren't. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to like, go ahead and be thankful that things are a little quiet so we can figure out the space and how we work in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have, we have smaller events every weekend and certainly not, um, you know, the volume and the, the numbers we are in the summer, but, um, you know, we're learning how, you know, how much, um, to buy for retail and how often and, and all that kind of stuff. So, what is the argument for opening a retail space? I mean, I'm just just playing devil's advocate here. Like, mm-hmm. why would you convince or persuade or suggest to some other very successful wedding and event florist to consider or at least explore this option? Well, I will say that I think it's a um, it's a personal uh, it's a personal decision for you know the owner the owners of the business to make. Mm-hmm. I have friends, you know, Liz at Parsonage Events, just an hour north of here. Um, they had retail a few years ago, and you know, cut that, and now they're just an event powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I was like, I'm opening a retail store, Liz was like, Oh, you're crazy! I wouldn't want to be back in that. So, you know, it, it's a personal preference. And I, but now I'll tell you why I decided to go yeah, back. To yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, um, again, it, I feel like it's really specific for Detroit, but then again, maybe not. Um, I think that, um, as the city becomes more populated and, you know, neighborhoods that have amenities are becoming more connected. That's something that we're working on. You know, you have, a nice walkable neighborhood, but then to get anywhere else, you have to drive or take mm. the bus or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, so there's like these I- islands, but they're not yeah. connected. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As we, hopefully those will be connected with, um, urban flower farms eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, um, I feel like, um, I almost felt a calling, um, to, um, to really step up as part of the community to, you know, really, you know, put my money where my mouth is and, um, be, be, be a destination for people to come. Mm-hmm. And, um, and with that being said, you know, n- neighbors and Detroiters coming here, people from Southeast Michigan coming to visit, but also, you know, last weekend, um, on Saturday, I had three women visiting from Australia. Firstly, it was the coldest week <laughs> that I can remember. <laughs> um, I was like, Oh, you guys, this really isn't our best showing, but, um, <laughs> You know, they had seen something about Flower House, so they came into the store. And so, um, you know, to really, um, you know, put put the business out there as part of the community has really just it felt like it was time for me to do that. Wow. Um, and, you know, I think one thing that's happening um, for me personally and probably, you know, as the owner and the, the decision maker, the person who signs a lease, um, you know, I feel... I feel very thankful that, you know, we're all connected on social media and we can have friends that we've never met in real life and feel connected with them and have real conversations with them. But I just feel this real need to have some, you know, IRL in real life, Mm -hmm. like FaceTime with Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
you know, I, I thought again, it was kind of like, I'm going to have this space where people can come and smell things and feel things. And, you know, we can talk face to face. I love it. And you know, it's in a way, it's like you're creating flower house, but 365 days a year, like you, you're in, you are in real life now. And it's, um, in a way it's, it's, it's more courageous to do that because it's not just this adrenaline rush one month or one day or one week kind of thing. It's day in and day out. And I really admire that. And, and I think that those of you, those of our listeners who've been following you in all your endeavors will appreciate reading your uh, statement on your website where you list your, your mission, your initiatives and some of your other values like diverse and inclusive events. And I think that's, really beautiful. I'll just read it because it's kind of short. When we plan our community events, indie markets, and educational offerings, we strive to represent our city's makers and residents with the vendors, designers, shoppers, and students who we invite. If you have an idea of how we can strive better, please be in touch. So it's like Lisa's throwing a party every day now at uh, (laughs) Pot and Box, right? (laughs) It kind of seems like that sometimes. Well, you do create community. In fact, I think we talked not that long ago about Valentine's Day, and you said you have this makers uh, event that you've done many times, but now you're able to bring it into the Fisher Building as a venue that maybe others can benefit from, and that's exciting. Yes, it is so exciting. We um, have, um, let's see here, this will be the sixth annual. So um, for five previous years, I've had not only a Valentine's Day market, which was um, purely a marketing scheme to sell more flowers five years <laughs> on Valentine's Day. Um, but then when, you know, after that first Valentine's Day market, um, you know, the, the holidays rolled around and I was like, hey, that was really, really fun. And we made, um, you know, we sold some flowers. Um, so why don't we do a holiday market? So we've been doing these two markets every year. And um, the, the past holiday season, um, uh, we I made the decision that we wouldn't do the holiday market anymore because there are actually quite a few holiday markets now in the mm. city. And, um, you know, when, when you're in a city that, um, you know, has a limited population, it's really, um, it can end up being, you know, a new restaurant opens and then everyone that was at the, the restaurant that opened last week, now they're at the new one. <laughs> so, um, I kind of felt like there, there are now enough holiday markets. And so, um, I kind of bowed out that so we could really focus on the Valentine's day market. So hmm. now that's where we're at. We're, um, you know, at the threshold of that. And, um, we have had the, the markets at the Jam Handy, which is the venue where we had Detroit Flower Week, yeah. um, the educational portions, and um, really a beautiful building. And my friend Simeon owns it, and he's lovely, and it's a really great venue. But you know, now in the Fisher Building, you know, I, I went upstairs um, in, in the Fisher, and I asked my landlords, I was like, "Listen, we have this really great built-in community. I would love to bring it here." And you know, again, like along with their like thoughtful, community-minded mission as well. They were like, this is great. We'd love this. And so, um, you know, now I've got a floor plan for, you know, fitting all of the vendors and the two wings of the Fisher building. And I just think it is going to be so spectacular, um, to, you know, it's like, um, you know, just leveling up into this beautiful Mm. building and, um, I'm, I'm working on getting, uh, a local school choir to come in and, um, you know, crash later in the afternoon when everyone's maybe a little sleepy and we need a little boost to come in and sing some like 
Motown songs and that kind of thing. <laughs> and fabulous. We've got, you know, local the food trucks and that kind of thing. So it, it's really great, you know, and that, um, that has very little to do with, you know, my job as a florist or a flower shop owner, but it's something I really, really enjoy. Yeah. That's the community organizer in you. Mm-hmm. And the Valentine market this year, it's on Saturday, February 10th. So um, maybe I'll get all the details from you and share that on the show notes, just, just for people to follow along either on your Instagram feed or if they happen to be in Detroit, attend and patronize it because yeah. it's, it sounds wonderful. Um one of the other things you have on your um, About Us page, or maybe Welcome to Pot and Box page, is your, converse, your conversation about local and North American flowers. And um, you have been a pioneer in raising this uh, dialogue in Detroit and all of Michigan. And now you're also involved with a really exciting um, initiative to create a farmer's hub, a flower farm hub, a wholesale hub in Ann Arbor. And I want to have them on for a later show, but maybe you can just talk a little bit about this because it's just kind of entering year two, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, they um, were very much inspired by the Seattle wholesale growers market and um, my not so subtle plan of having uh, Diane come and speak about it. Um, <laughs> and they've been very generous um, with, you know, sharing information and systems and that kind of thing as the, as our local, um, they're called the Michigan, uh, flower growers co-op. Um, and I'm also really lucky, um, to have been chosen to serve as one of the only, I'm sorry, there's two, um, two florists that serve on the board. Um, and, uh, Danny from university flower shop in Ann Arbor is the other florist. And, um, it is, I feel like I'm learning so much at those board meetings. Um, you know, really actually talking to flower farmers and sorting through, you know, okay, here's my pain point. Here's what's tough about this. And how do we figure this out? So everyone has access to all these beautiful things. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think something, something great is coming for that. Um, in year two, they were, um, quite successful in year one. Um, I think beyond expectations. And so that's a really great place for them to be sitting. So that is, even though that hub is in Ann Arbor, it's supplying pot and box in Detroit. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, we, it was every Wednesday and, um, we went over every week, um, and put out an offer that if Detroit florists couldn't make it over to the, to the Wednesday market hours that, we could pick up their flowers and they could pick up from us. And a couple of times they took us up on that. Um, but you know, I will say there were, um, I should have, I should have kept exact track, but I want to say maybe three, four five weeks where we didn't have to purchase anything from wholesalers. Hmm. Not that our local wholesalers right. aren't supportive of, of other local American farms, but, right. um, what a joy. So, you know, that, that flower truck was, was taking, you know, Detroit and Southeast Michigan grown flowers around that were picked that morning. And so that's really, really the sweet spot for me. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Lisa, that is amazing. I mean, this was what you dreamt of and you, you just, it's not like you made it happen, but you're through community, your presence, um, maybe emboldened some of these farmers to step forward and, and create this, um, this, new model of getting not only that, but just to start growing flowers. I mean, some of these people are pretty new into, into the flower farming world, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. There were some 
you know, first year flower farmers that joined the co-op last year. And that is just so heartening. Mm, that is great. So um, what is the drive from Detroit up to Ann Arbor? It's about an hour. Okay. Okay, so so it's you will go to a lot of links to get local flowers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, one one nice thing about serving on the board is I can, um, you know, the, the Danny's from Ann Arbor and I am here in Detroit, and so to have the presence of two florists in the two different kind of major markets here is really nice. Um, you yeah. know, I try to sneak in my two cents every meeting, like, hey. Um, like, let's see if what we can do to service the, um, both to source from the Detroit farms and to service the, the florists here. So, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not patient and you know that about me, Deborah, but, um, I'm trying to be patient because I know they're building something really sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And you're not impatient in a bad way. You're just passionate. <laughs> We'll call it that. Yeah. So um, before I let you go, I want to just talk about this space that you're in. Um, What have you done to turn a former, like, parking (laughs) facility or, like, whatever you called it, service type of space into something Mm -hmm. that's your aesthetic? Because the photos I've seen that you've posted are beautiful. This building has got so much. It's not not, um, dowdy looking. It's got kind of a, I don't know, Art Deco vibe almost. Um, what, absolutely. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, I think um, in in some of our historic buildings here in the city, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, in the in the boom of Detroit, I think they just said yes to everything, <laughs> and so you have every kind of um, every kind of design style in there. But the Fisher is. Um, is very much Art Deco. It is very ornate. It's marble. It's, um, I mean, when I'm waiting for the elevator and I look around and I see the ceiling was hand painted and it's so detailed. It is so beautiful. Wow. It's really, I, I sometimes have to pinch myself that we, that we live there. That's awesome, Lisa. That's <laughs> but, um, so great. So, well, when I saw the space, um, funny enough, um, I, this, the exact square footage is 933 square feet. And I remembered that because it was the exact same square footage as the retail space that we had in Ann Arbor when I first opened. That's weird. Wow. Yep. Some magic numbers there, but, um, so it was, uh, it was a security and parking office. So it was like little offices and, you know, very dark. And I just said, can you, can you just open this wide open? Mm, So, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, I picked a color, you know, from the contractor book and they painted one wall, um, this turquoise color that looked good in the book. I came in and, um, it was a really funny conversation, you know, these like gruff, like contractors and everything. And I walked in, they're like, how do you like your wall? And I said, it's just too cheerful. And they're like, (laughs) aren't you a florist? And I was like, oh, so, (laughs) So I went and bought the paint and I repainted the wall and it's just this really beautiful turquoise and it really anchors the whole space. And we just have so much fun. Um, we have three huge windows that look into the the hallway of the building. It's mm. called the arcade. Mm-hmm. And so um, I kind of liken it to having an open floor plan in a kitchen mm. where people in the hallway can stop and watch us working, making arrangements, you know, um, eating Thai food sometimes. <laughs> so <laughs> You have to be careful what you're doing there in the window, but um, it it is so beautiful. Mm. Did you have to bring a cooler in? Yep, we've got a three door cooler, and um, 
if we if we hit our our goal for Valentine's Day, I'm going to buy us another one. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that sounds cool. And then um, I'm just I'm sure you're doing it, planning to do um, or have already done workshops and um, like how versatile is the space? Can you have a a, a group of like how many students uh, for an event? What kind of size can you accommodate? Yes, we absolutely can. We can um, have eight, um, you know, seated at the workbenches on stools. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, when I was deciding if the space was right for us, um, again, working with uh, the building owners and, you know, they just like with the Valentine's Day market, they want the, you know, the beautiful arcade activated. And so we actually have the ability to spill out into the arcade after hours. And I mean, wow. Yeah. Instagram heaven there. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so exciting. Oh, I can't wait to visit. Well, that is great. I, I kind of end a lot of my podcast interviews by saying, well, what's on tap? What's on deck? You know, what do you have <laughs> planned? But you kind of are living it right now. And I, I'm just sure you're going to fill that little space with such amazing experiences for community and clients and farmers and florists and, um, just the, the people who walk through that arcade and who are in that building, it's, it's really, it's a really inspiring to hear what you're doing and living your vision for community, which is how you've always been. And it's just retail can be community. I, I fully believe that. And that's what your, your store is doing. Yes, I hope so. Cool. Okay, Lisa, anything else? Because uh, we're going to share some photos of the space, of what Lisa's up to uh, in Detroit uh, virtually, and, and hopefully people can get there to visit you, like these gals from Australia. That's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anything else you want to add that I didn't ask you about? No, I think we covered it. Oh, my gosh. This has been so much fun. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I know your plate is full with Valentine's Day coming up, so I'm glad I grabbed you. And then um, we will have another episode sometime later in the summer uh, about, or maybe at the beginning of the farming season, about the Michigan, what's it called? Michigan Flower Growers Cooperative. Michigan Flower Growers Cooperative. Okay, I'll have a link to that in our show notes, too, just so people who aren't aware of this uh, exciting regional uh, wholesale hub can uh, follow that link, as well as links to Pot and Box and all of Lisa's places. So, Lisa, thanks so much. Thank you, as always, Deborah. Great talking to you, sweetie. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast. I am so delighted to be uh, with my guest today, Melissa Brown of Flying Bear Farm. Hi, Melissa. Hi. How's it going, Deborah? Good. We <laughs> see each other racing in and out of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. We don't get to talk deeply enough, so this is our chance to get an update because yeah. you're a past guest of the podcast. Yeah. We had that wonderful Whidbey Island uh, episode Gosh, was that like two years ago? It was, yeah. Wow. Okay, so Flying Bear Farm is a farm, and you are on Whidbey Island, which mm-hmm. is north of Seattle, and we I will put a link to that interview so people can hear Melissa's sort of origin story, but a lot has been going on, and I really want to tell everybody about Flying Bear's new venture. So give us, give us a little snapshot of what it is. 
Well, so we are lucky enough to have opened a um, brick-and-mortar shop called Flying Bear, and it's uh, in Langley on Woodby Island, just in our sweet little downtown village. Yeah. And it's a full-service flower shop and uh, with nourishing gifts and workshops, and um, we just get to do what we love yeah. every day in town, and it's a wonderful retail outlet for us. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. And you are yeah. you are basically um, validating this little prediction that I made about in my uh, 2018 forecast about flower farmers moving into some form of retail. I know it's not happening everywhere, but you're a pioneer in this. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> what? When did you open the store? We opened the store Labor Day weekend okay. of 2017. Okay. And and uh, that was what? At the peak of wedding season? Just about. <laughs> yes. So completely crazy. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the reason I ask about wedding season is that you've mm-hmm. always been a farmer florist. You've always yeah. done growing. I mean, or since this far- Flying Bear started, you've grown and designed and right. predominantly had, for weddings for weddings okay yeah. and Langley is the the little um, very much a destination tourism kind of town on Whidbey mm-hmm. Island um, is that right I mean how would you yeah. describe it it's kind of got a quaint character to it right yeah it's definitely a um, destination town and it um, has a lot more people in it during the summertime mm. um, more and more now the shoulder seasons are pretty full too I think people are getting the idea that it's sweet to be on a seaside town throughout the year mm-hmm. take um, a ferry yeah drive up to this t- place and and spend the weekend or whatever yeah exactly wow. so how far is that from where you live and farm it is uh, just less than a mile oh. away. We oh my gosh. can walk to work oh my gosh. and bike to work. And we're even working on the idea of having a little cargo bike so that I can take our small harvests on bike down to the shop oh, instead I love of driving it. the truck. Yeah. So it one of the things that we love about this whole venture is that it is so close to home and um, makes it possible for us as a family, for Ben and I, and my parents, who live with us in an intergenerational homestead, um, can be more engaged with our community mm-hmm. and kind of stay closer to home and serve our community, um, you know, in a more kind of intimate way. I love that idea of retail as a community hub. Um, I know you and your mother both have background way back working mm-hmm. in floral retail. Right. Um, I remember that from our interview. And, yeah. Um, Molly is your mom's name, right? Yeah. And what's your dad's name? David. David. Okay, so Molly and David are part of this uh, endeavor as well, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. So you weren't afraid of retail. And Flying Bear did um, pop-up kind of experiences on Whidbey Island over the last couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was basically how we got from just being farmer florists to really feeling like we had the um, basis and foundation for opening a shop was... Um, both doing pop-up floral uh, experiences Mm -hmm. on holidays Mm -hmm. for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. Um, We did a couple little holiday things. Mm -hmm. And then we also did our um, farmer's market Mm -hmm. on Fridays right in town. Wow. Just a block away from where we are now for four years. Wow. So we got a really great following. People were telling us, oh, my gosh, you should open a shop. And... 
we took their advice. Wow. So that kind of says that you're, you were developing a customer base or following of not just these weekend tourists, but the locals um, yes, who yeah. would come and, and see you on a crummy rainy day at the farmer's market exactly. or at the peak of tourism season. Mm-hmm. Were people asking to come to your farm to buy flowers uh, or did you try to avoid that? People would ask. We definitely kind of shied away from that because we're kind of tucked away. Mm-hmm. Don't have a great place for cars to turn in and out mm-hmm. really easily. And, yeah. um, and it's your home. You live yeah. and farm there. Yeah, exactly. So we wanted some place that was a lot easier to interact with Yeah, for people. Um, a place where they felt better about kind of like stopping on their normal errands mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So uh, what? tell me about the space. and is, is What's mm. the main drag called in Langley? It's First Street. Okay. And um, it is one of the two main kind of economic shopping um, streets in Langley. Okay. Our space is really small. Um, I can't remember the square footage, but it's a shotgun space. (laughs) I I did see some photos because Toby Nelson sent me a few of a workshop she taught, and you had a long uh, kind of stainless steel Mm -hmm. uh, work table down the center of the the space. Yeah, it's a really open space, so people can see... Uh, when we're creating floral arrangements or processing flowers and they can sit at the long work table and interact with us and wow. ask us questions. And <laughs> like like really going to a fun. bar or something. Yeah. yeah, people joke about that all the time. <laughs> Wish I could serve them wine or something. But like, like the su- You're like the sushi <laughs> chef and they're yeah. watching you make sushi. Oh, yeah, I love it. Totally. So um, uh, it's pedestrian. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oriented and that sort of thing. Quite. Yeah. So how did you decide... Um, the mix of retail. I mean, you made the leap. You found the mm. space. I'm, I should back up. What came first, deciding to open retail or falling upon this amazing space? Because I know that it's all about location in a right. place, a tourism place. We decided that we wanted to open a retail spot before we really knew which spot would open up. And, of course, mm. in Langley, there's... Uh, finite amount mm-hmm. of spaces. And, and you probably had your eye on a lot of these spaces. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually did the practice of, as we were writing our business plan for this whole venture, um, drawing floor plans for many different spaces in town mm-hmm. <laughs> and imagining for myself um, you know, how, how to really effectively use some spaces mm-hmm. and what we were really looking for. Mm-hmm. We knew we needed some um, access to the back of our space oh, right. for loading in and out and doing, you know, bigger floral arrangements, all that kind of stuff. And so there were only a few places in town that really had exactly what we needed. When you say the access to the back, is it like an alley or a parking lot with a back door? A little or? bit of everything. Okay. It's all of those things. So if you do some <laughs> giant arch production, you can get it out into the truck. Right. From exactly. the shop. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I love that you you reimagined uh, like this dress shop could be a flower shop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one was safe. <laughs> uh, so you found you just happened to find a place that that fit one of your visions that you had for a floor plan. Yeah, it it felt like Providence, definitely mm-hmm. like the right place opened up, and I was kind of scared because it was on First Street. It's so um, it's very active. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the summertime, the walkthrough traffic is really intense. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I was a little scared of that, but it ended up that, um, you know, opening on Labor Day weekend and having the, at least that one month of really strong... Crazy tourism, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was great. And we 
it made it possible for us to actually hire on multiple people um, earlier than we thought we would be able to. Just and because the, the cash flow is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how, how is the product mix? I mean, how much of it is what you're growing uh, versus note cards or whatever? Right. I well, have to come up and see it. I just yeah. didn't want to wait until I totally. finally got to Winby to do this interview. Right. <laughs> I'd say, um, just strictly speaking, floral versus kind of hard goods and mm-hmm. gifts, it's about half and half. Okay. And um, and then, of course, we're seasonal growers. At this point, we don't have any hoop houses or greenhouses. So we're stocking our shop with a lot of, well, it's all regional mm-hmm. stuff from the growers market mm-hmm. predominantly. Mm-hmm all year round mm-hmm. and then we our own um, field grown stuff is about April through October which will be the sweet time to really make, yeah. bu- make bank because exactly you don't have to buy it from somebody you're yes. just growing it yeah that's that, that vertical integration that is so interesting you got it yes yeah. that is the big part that when we were really early on thinking about how to maximize what we're doing as flor- farmer florists that made so much sense to us for um, how we work, mm-hmm. what kind of lives we want to have, mm-hmm. that we could really utilize that vertical integration to um, uh, maximize our profit. Basically. Yeah, have a have a more profitable product. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when people come in, uh, well, I'm sure your uh, I'm sure your displays are beautiful. Your aesthetic is so beautiful. Are you able to spill out onto the sidewalk and do just uh, yeah. Outdoor displays? Or? Yeah, oh, okay. actually, both um, back and in front uh-huh. of our space, we have a little bit of area to spill out, and that's really one of my favorite things is to engage with the community yeah. and the street space to kind of make it feel festive and interesting every day. We have a um, um, an installation on our front window mm. that's going to change seasonally. Mm-hmm. So um, right now it has crazy vines and um, cloth roses. On oh, it neat! For the winter time, oh, and we're going to. So it's inside, it but it, it's, it's actually outside. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow! It's on the outside of the door, and oh, that more dimensional then. Exactly. Yeah, I wanted it to feel like we were kind of growing out <laughs> onto the street. <laughs> so that that's why you have the cloth roses. It's got to be something that will yeah. last for months. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, oh, that's interesting. And that kind of makes me think of the, um, I remember you you participated in this sort of decorating the yeah. storefront thing on Whitby. Is it kind yes. of a, a liken to that? Yeah, this started with the Deck of the Doors event that is a Langley um, event every December. Um, so all of the street, all of the vendors on the streets in town decorate their front doors for the Christmas time, mm-hmm. either with or artists or by themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this was my opportunity to like put in something really big and beautiful. Wow, and awesome! This year, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, but now you're you're raising expectations. Cause you're going to do it all all year long. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then when people come in um, to you know peruse and 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 maybe purchase. Um, do you have uh, hand-tied bouquets or rose bunches, or or is it all made to order? How do how do people ch- tend to purchase their flowers? We always have a small amount of um, mixed bouquets mm-hmm. that are like taken, grab and go kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. um, but for the most part, I do all custom bouquets kind of on the spot. Wow. And um, I'm trying to train people to do special orders with me a couple of days ahead so that we can also do face arrangements and make them gorgeous and wow. have enough time to know that we have product. 
Um, yeah, and of course, this is we're only four months in, right. so I'm still kind of changing things and seeing how it works. But yeah. that the custom bouquets really have been the thing that people enjoy. Are people uh, because of the sort of proximity of most most people? drive to Langley and walk around, are they more inclined to pick something up or are you being asked to do deliveries? We are being asked to do deliveries. For the most part, that's people off-island who are sending to people on the island. Oh, I see. Okay. So from New York, Australia. Yeah. All kinds of crazy places. Oh, how wonderful. Um, It seems like everybody has some kind of connection to somebody on Woodby. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But then um, so much more. It's people coming in and buying either a mixed bouquet or just uh, an armload of stems, whatever they want, because we have everything um, at least represented out mm-hmm. in the front of the shop mm-hmm. so they can pull their own stems uh-huh. and really engage and experience what seasonal flowers are right then and I smell things and, and just, like, I want it to... Um, support their creativity Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. as my own. Yeah, give them permission to touch and smell. Kind of um, like a friendlier version of a French flower shop. Whenever I see those French (laughs) flower shops, it's so beautifully arrayed. Um, I've been almost like yelled at for taking photos when I've been in Paris. But, but, you know, there is sort of that uh, fear of touching, and it sounds like you've eliminated all of that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It is a very casual and yummy space. So listening to you, it sounds like you're in the store a lot. I am, yes. Almost every day. Wow. Um, For... The slow season, we are closed on Wednesdays, okay. and so that's the time when I get to come down to the growers market, which is a super early morning, but yeah. it gives me some space and mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. time to reorganize mm-hmm. things. And you're open seven days a week, six days a week oh, right okay. now. Oh, six, right? Yeah. Oh, I see. Wednesday's your only day. Yes, yeah. and um, we're aiming for being open seven days a week, especially in the height of the season. But that's that's really where staff you'll have to rely on staff as well. Yeah, and. We have an awesome little staff. Wow. Yeah, already. Um, How are you going to balance this with farming, Melissa? Right. (laughs) I mean, I know you're totally impossible. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, I think, um, you know, there's so many things that uh, draw a farmer away from the act of farming, like just doing deliveries or, you know, doing a farmer's market, all these things, but you... Mm -hmm. You are the billboard. You are the business. And so being out in the community is important. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm just curious how you're going to balance all that. Or, yeah, or have absolutely. you thought about it? Oh, yeah. We're constantly thinking about it and constantly <laughs> trying to gauge how to do it. Um, so my husband, Ben Corto, is our full-time farmer okay. now. And um, between he and I, we are working to find a balance, like you said, between especially me being kind of the face of the shop. Mm-hmm. And that really does feed me. I mm-hmm. love being with people. Um, and I love being creative in the space and welcoming people there. That's so neat. It's yeah. so wonderful. But I do now miss being dirty. Yeah. Ah, I yeah. miss that so much. So we're working on that balance and training people to be in the shop and be a surrogate me Yes, is um, really the key there is having great help yeah. and really creative invested people wow. around you. Yeah. And I would imagine because you're so close to the shop, you know, if 
there are times when you probably do have to throw, take your, you know, work gloves off and run in just to deal with something. And sure, um, totally. there's probably a little excitement. Oh, the farmer's here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What is the competition on the island? Is it just like grocery store flowers? There's some grocery store flowers. There's one great, really established shop in Freeland, which is just the, another town up from us. A retail uh, brick and mortar shop? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely more FTD oriented. Mm-hmm. So their style's a little different than ours and their clientele is a little different. I feel like we really balance each other mm-hmm. well. Because um, there's probably stuff that you don't want to deal with that they do. Right. And vice versa. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And well, a lot of times nice. when I don't have a specific flower because I'm, you know, working with whatever the growers have in the moment, right. they might have it. And so right. I can send somebody to it them. It is an island. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not like Hawaii or something, but it is. there's still this transportation issue yeah. if it's not grown on the island of exactly. just procuring the product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also a lot of farmers on the island, Mm -hmm. of course. And so during the growing season, there's a definite saturation of um, really accessible, beautiful flowers at the farmer's markets, at um, roadside stands, that kind of thing. Sure. So, um, you know, that changes how our community interacts with us, especially in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to kind of take that into consideration, like with pricing and that sort of thing, or yeah, just, yeah, okay. that's definitely a part of it. And um, you know, we're way busier with um, weddings, of course, right. in the summertime, and so kind of our focus changes slightly as well, mm-hmm. right? From daily bouquets to more um, events and stuff. And the wedding business is really what grew Flying Bear. It sounds like yeah. on the design side. Yeah, how are you? How are you um, expecting to integrate weddings into Flying Bear, the retail shop? Are you using mm-hmm. that as your production studio? or No. Okay. Because it's so small, it would definitely take over. Okay. So we still have our little um, rustic, very rustic, <laughs> design studio up at the farm. Okay. And that's going to be predominantly for the weddings. That's smart in a way. It's like keep yeah. it keep it distinct and... That you already worked your systems out there, probably. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We kind of have it down there, and we can separate the shop and that studio space and make sure that, um, you know, nobody's getting overrun at any given time. I, yeah, I would also imagine that it's uh, more it, 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 it's more economically smart to produce a wedding in a non-retail space just because that, that retail space is expensive and you, yeah. you, you've you got to be selling out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we don't want to be, you know, hidden behind huge uh, bridal bouquets <laughs> and all kinds of centerpieces and stuff and not be able to engage with the yeah. people who are coming yeah. and going yeah. from the space. Wow, that's amazing. So what roughly, what's your goal for weddings this coming year? Do you have a goal like one per weekend or uh, what, what's, what feels right? Well, that's interesting. I was just talking to Ben about um, how to balance that because I'm used to saying yes all the time, just lots of yes. Bring it in. Yeah, yeah I can do that, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to make sure that we're um, that I'm balancing weddings and all of the other responsibilities that I have, and making sure that the products that I'm going to be able to give to, especially brides, are you know with quality, mm-hmm. and I have enough time to be creative mm-hmm. and all of that. So I think my goal is about one per weekend, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and we'll just see how it goes. There's some real 
wonderful symbiotic thing going on where I can just picture, because I've attended weddings on Whidbey, there's all these people come to the island, they stay on the island, mm-hmm. so it's great for lodging and restaurants. Yeah. And then they need something to do on Sunday, after, and then they're going to now come down to Langley and, and say, oh, you're the people who did the wedding yeah, flowers. Yeah, totally. I mean, hopefully that will, that will stimulate more sales and... Yeah, and more excitement. Yeah, I think it really will, and it gives. I While love, you're exhausted, yeah, I will be exhausted and need lots of coffee. But I, I love that it will um, increase people's um, experience of where their flowers right. came from. This and, place, and, yeah, yeah, a sense of place, yeah. truly, of mm-hmm. you oh. know where they are, right. and where their big. This big, huge ritual happened. For Absolutely. Them. Oh, yeah. I think that's so cool. So, if someone's listening to this and they are a, a flower farmer or a farmer florist, um, do you have any kind of advice or like a checklist that you would suggest? Like, what <laughs> would you, what would you advise someone to do if they're, they even have an inkling of a thought of maybe going into retail? Right. Um, and I don't know anything that sort of mm. was important for the big aha moment for you. It sounds like you wrote your own specific business plan for retail. That's different than the farm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. So Um, that was, that was, was that a requirement of like, uh, did you have to take out a loan or? Yeah. So I will answer that in a couple of ways. And I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, so I'm sorry. This is great. (laughs) This is totally great. So I, um, just to talk about the idea of having a business plan Mm -hmm. and really thinking it through, um, of course, that is always such a great idea to do, even if it's rough and kind of intuitive, mm-hmm. just to get everything down on paper and um, really imagine some of the nuts and bolts stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so important. And we did get two loans, but they are from um, people in our community. Really? Directly. Wow. On Woodby Island, there's this amazing resource called Woodby Island Local Lending. Okay. And it's a group of um, people who have resources, who want to know what's going on in their community and how they can help. And so people come in and give presentations to this group about, um, you know, what businesses they want to start or ventures of wow. all kinds. And then um, it's, a, you know, the lenders get to actually... Be hands-on. Exactly. And and know the people that are asking for some um, support. Wow. And then we didn't have to go through a bank. Right. Because we have a kind of uh, weird, you know, not normal situation right. with our, um, how we got to where we are. Right. So, right. Of course. It's unconventional. That, yeah. Yes. Wow. That's so that amazing. was great. And I would say that um, smaller farmers looking for some support to... Um, financially get going in a retail space, that's a great way to try and do it if you have a resource like that in your community. Um, yeah, that, it's almost like this mission-driven lending where yeah, yeah. They be, they're they not just evaluating you by what's on paper, but they're yeah. having this relationship with you. That's exactly right. Wow. And they're probably some of them are your customers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Fabulous. Now. <laughs> yes. That is so creative. I love yeah. that. And then the other thing I would say to somebody who is kind of thinking about the idea and thinking, oh, it would be so fun to have a retail shop, <laughs> um, just keep checking back to your heart and whether whether being in a shop is really like what charges you and right. what, what fills you up because it really does take all of your time. 
That's really valid, valuable to hear because I, I do think this, this romantic notion of having a flower shop, yeah. for me, it, growing up, it was always the romantic notion of having a fabric shop. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, they're kind of in the same category. <laughs> yeah, totally. When juxtapose that with the, the, just the daily physical and emotional grind of having to be on and present mm, mm-hmm. for all these hours, it does, it's not for everybody. Right. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, and if, you know, if it's, if when you're thinking about it, the thing that is what's filling you up is working with the flowers and... Um, you know, having that constant contact with the flowers, maybe that's some, that's an opportunity for you to think like, well, okay, so maybe it really is better for me to do farmer's markets Mm. and Mm -hmm. have people come to my farm Mm -hmm. so that I am having much more contact with just the flowers and, and farming. Right. Instead of having to do all of the background stuff of keeping a shop full and dealing with orders and taxes right. and all of that stuff. Right. And you know, yes, you could ha- you could open a retail store and hire people, but then that that kind of you lose a little bit of your profitability when you're right, yeah. um paying salaries. I mean, yeah. you have to obviously hire some people, but right. um it sounds like why this works is because Ben is really able to be 100% farm and you, yeah. you're like a, a, a different percentage farm and retail and right. weddings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I am in a, a really equal partnership mm-hmm. with Ben. Mm-hmm. I I think sometimes it gets forgotten that, you know, I tend to be the person who talks more and is, you know, around more mm-hmm. and more so, social. And yeah, yeah, it seems like I'm I am doing this by myself, but I am not at yeah. all. This is a big partnership. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. And what are your parents involved? Uh, yeah, a little bit or a lot or um, a little bit. Okay. My mom is just extraordinary and comes in and works the shop when I need her. I bet and does you know she runs it. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing at just pumping out gorgeous bouquets. Oh, she's great. That's so neat. I have her when I need her for you know Valentine's Day holidays. I holidays see. was really fun with yeah. her. That yeah, was really great. And and she's in this community too, so she's friends with all these customers. And, yeah, 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 exactly. And then my dad is just a badass weeder. <laughs> he got, works the farm. That's wonderful. Us. That's wonderful. What yeah. a, what a wonderful uh, new chapter for Flying Bear. Yeah, it's so exciting. Thank you. I'm so, so appreciative much. of this story and. Um, we used to share some photos so we can yes. um, get them in the show notes. And yeah, absolutely. Anybody who goes to Whidbey now needs to have um, a day um, on Langley and a, and a visit to Flying Bear on their uh, on their agenda because um, it's it. I think it's going to inspire a lot of people to start dreaming about well, how how would it look if I did this? So, um, not that I want to push everyone into retail because it's not for everybody, but what inspires me is this idea that you're controlling the channels that your flowers are being sold through. Yeah. And um, that is very empowering. So Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's also an incredible opportunity to be really intimately involved in the rites of passage of your community. Mm. So I know mm. whose birthday it is. I know who just died. Mm. And I just love and I'm so honored to be a part of my community that wow. way. Wow. Oh, thanks. That's a really good note to end on. Mm. Melissa, thanks so much. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to do this. Me too. <laughs> All right. Take care. <laughs> thanks. 
Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 277,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As the Slow Flowers movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all of our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American-grown flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. Those sponsors are Certified American-Grown Flowers, the Certified American-Grown Program and Label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American-Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of 50 family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing high-quality American-grown peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnny'sseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at kinetictreefitness.com. Thank you.